Welcome to the Writer's Way podcast, where we celebrate writers who have completed their books and inspire writers who haven't. Join Lori and her guests as they talk about writing, books, and life in between chapters. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Writer's Way podcast. I'm here today with the lovely Kristen Johnson. Thank you so much, Kristen, for joining me. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's mm-hmm. it's very beautiful to share this love of the this thing we've chosen to do, which is writing. Well, and I was reading about everything you've done. You've done it all when it comes to writing. Uh, I've done quite a quite a bit, and but there's always something new to learn. The thing about writing is it's it never feels like it's really finished, really finished, and there's always stuff, always ways to grow. How about you? How, what do you think? I, I agree with you. There's and the times change very quickly as well, right? So oh yes. Oh, once yes. you feel like you know what's going on, things change. But you've done editing, writing, speaking. How about you share with us your background and how you got to be the writer you are? Well, uh, it's been an interesting journey. I will say that I learned to read when I was two, and things just kind of, uh, sort of, because my mother read to me when when to read to my sister when she was pregnant with me. So that kind of that just really, and I grew up in a family that loved books, um, and my mother, my late mother, was an author as well. She had written a book called Libraries Are for Children, and my great-grandmother was a writer. So it's kind of, it's a bit like it's in my blood, yeah. but it's just something that I've always been passionate about. I I told the story uh, I, when I was being interviewed that I, I used to write plays for my stuffed animals and things like that, <laughs> so it's it's kind of like that was just the just the practice so it it really uh it's been a love throughout my entire life and i met so many amazing people yourself included through writing they say writing is a solitary uh, profession and it is because you just have to sit down you know how it is you just have to sit down and do it whether it's you're doing it full time or whether it's five minutes during the day or whatever but you just have to sit down and do it but at the same time you get to meet people that you never imagined through through that writing. And you've done a lot with your uh, mantras for kids. And I love the book about where, where the little girl turns into a unicorn because that, that is, um, I love unicorns. So that, that was very, that was very, very magical. And I understand you have another book or it is the, is the second book in the series out? Yes. Just out last month. So that one, the boy turns into a dragon. <laughs> Which is every boy's dream, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was inspired by because I have three kids. And so they always play. I turn into this. And now I turn into that. And so I just started, you know, taking notes as they would play. Yeah. It's that imaginary play. And if you hang around kids, if you, if you have kids or if you're an, you're an aunt or an uncle and there are kids in your life, you, you just really need, really absorb that creativity. It's true. It's true. If you actually listen, they'll give you all the inspiration you need, right? I know. And the other thing about kids is you get to learn what, what they're reading. I have young people in my life and as an aunt, and they, they have books that they read for school, and you get introduced to all kinds of uh, great children's authors. Mm-hmm. So you've done some editing as well. Can you tell me about that? I've edited books for, you name it, I've done it. I've done editing for blood pressure, uh, fantasy books, uh, a kind of kind of a manual for um, kind of a religious books. I've done just about everything and every, every subject, but not, well, there are probably a few I haven't done, but, it, but it, there's been a variety and I just am passionate in 
interested in a lot. And I also do screenplays. I'm also a screenwriter, so I also edit screenplays, which is kind of a different animal because it's because you're you're writing for whatever you see on the see on the screen. So, and I've written screenplays, so I, I love to do that too because it's a different discipline. Mm-hmm. Very different. Have it, would it be anything we would recognize that you've worked on? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. There's a. There was a. One of my clients was bringing down high blood pressure. Um, the, which was uh, just such an important topic, and also I've written a. A, a lot of books that, uh, a lot of children's books and things like that. Um, I did, uh, I've done several things and some, that, some of this uh, has been just a joy to, I mean, to experience, uh, to, to write and to uh, collaborate with people because it really is a collaboration. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but yes, I would, I would say that Whatever the project is, no matter how big or small, I I attack it with a lot of passion. But especially if I have a personal connection to the subject, because mm-hmm. it's always easier if you really have a personal connection to the subject, like your children's book, like the mantras. Yes. Uh, how how did you get started with that? I uh, taught kindergarten for ten years. Mm-hmm. And so over the course of, of that 10 years, I really noticed the kids changing, uh, you know, in significant ways, and they weren't able to come into the classroom and uh, even attempt to solve a problem is, is what was bothering me, right? So it wasn't, it doesn't matter if you're successful or not, what matters is that you actually try, you know, to handle, to handle these little everyday problems. And it was like they had never yeah. been given the chance. And, you know, children are very, very capable. So, so that's how I got started, just wanting to help the four and the five-year-olds, because that's, that's who I feel are my people. I know, that, I know them <laughs> very well. So, Kristen, how many books do you have? Oh, you have a whole shwack of them. Um, probably, probably seven or eight that my, that my name is on. I've also ghostwritten quite a, quite a few books and that, uh, that my name is not on or, or helped in writing or edited or, or whatever. So, um, so I've kind of been the silent partner, which is, a, which is a joy too. Uh, and, but, yeah, seven or eight books I've written. Christmas Cookies Are Forgiving, uh, which is a, like I, I call it a storybook with recipes. I did uh, Butterfly Wings, which is um, a sexy rom- romantic novel, uh, literary romantic novel. I also did uh, Ordinary Miracles, which was the autobiography of a Jamaican scientist. Who's oh. no longer with us. Uh, he, an art collector. He, was, he has the largest collection of Russian art in, in the United States. So he was, uh, he was very amazing. He was a two-time Nobel Prize nominee and quite a remarkable human being. I've also done The Divinity Protocol with Berkeley Johnson, uh, whose name some of, your, you, some of your listeners and viewers might recognize because uh, he, was, he, he was hailed as a hero during the Montecito mudslides out here in Santa Barbara. In, in, and he rescued a baby and then he got on Ellen and wrote <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's a, like I said, meeting these people is just, just incredible. So that's science fiction, which I love. I, I've got a particular weakness for science fiction and fantasy. Uh-huh. And, uh, and just several books, including children's books. So education uh, children's books. And then your most recent one, which is very timely. Yes, Ain't You Got No Manners, which is a, a guide for social media, the Bible for social media, and won the uh, Nonfiction Authors Association uh, nonfiction bronze award 
nonfiction book awards, bronze award in the uh, category of computers and technology. So, and, and it's gotten some, some lovely reviews and feedback. And so I'm very, I'm very happy about that because the social media is just unbelievable. And, and, if, you, and if you're around kids, you know about that because that's yeah. kind of like the front lines. Yes. Who would you say that book is geared towards? Is it somebody new into social media or somebody who's already in it with no manners? <laughs> uh, both. I think, I think that uh, it's with, with social media, my argument in the book is that it touches all of our lives, whether we're on it or not, because somebody can take a picture of you and post it without your knowledge, which is actually something that, that, happened, that happened to somebody I interviewed in the book, Valpreet Cower. She was on social media, but uh, somebody took a picture without her knowledge and wrote a very not nice caption, but she was able to handle the situation. To your point, she was able to handle the situation in a very mature way, you know, without attacking the original poster. It happened on the, for the Reddit uh, oh. site. And she said, look, this, because it concerned her appearance that she didn't modify because of her, uh, because of her faith the Sikh religion. So what happened was she took the opportunity to teach people about her faith, her life, what she believed, and it really opened up a conversation. So, I mean, you can have these conversations on social media, but then you have, you go on Twitter and you see all the, and Facebook and you see all the posts of people attacking each other, uh, whether it's politics, which is particularly divisive right now, yes. or, or anything else. I mean, any, it seems like anything can be fodder, fodder for, division and attacking and bad behavior on social media. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Oh, I, <laughs> I think it's a can of worms. And I love that you have made the attempt to teach people because there is really bad manners. And I don't know what happens to people's manners. Presumably people's mamas teach them <laughs> common sense and, and, you know, just the basic manners. And then they get online and they're gone. I know it's, it's like something happens to the brain. But I liken it to driving a car. We all know that it's, it's almost like it feels like our own personal space instead of, you know, out there forever for the world to see. And my, one of my tenets in the book is, Ain't You Got No Manners, is if it's, out, if it's out there, it's out there forever. You know, somewhere somebody can recover it. It's, we've seen, how many times have we seen uh, things that were socially, supposedly private that actually serviced in a trial or, uh, you know, congressional hearing or something like that. It's yeah. just unbelievable and people never thought these things would be read yes <laughs> and they're embarrassed <laughs> i mean i mean completely it's it, it happens to celebrities it happens to ordinary people it doesn't just happen to politicians celebrities the wealthy and powerful import uh permanent figures it happens to ordinary people every day it's so true. It's so true. And I just, I don't understand how, uh, you know, some things you would never say to a real person that was there in the room with you, all of a sudden, it's fine to say if you're online, right? It's fine to screenshot and like you said, share pictures and write mean things. You would never say that to someone's face. Or maybe because I'm Canadian, I feel like that. <laughs> I'm very polite. <laughs> well, there are plenty of people in the U.S. that feel that way too. I think it's around the world. I think there are people that complain about it. And of course, there's just just different uh, etiquette in other countries, different. Um, one of the examples I cite in You Got No Manners is there's a, and I forget which country it was, but don't tell anyone in that country you hope to see their house on Google Earth uh, or Google Maps, because apparently that's an insult or something like that. Oh. Um, so 
worldwide, there's different etiquette, no matter where you go, but probably manners are, whether you're in China or whether you're in the UK or Canada or anywhere, it's, some things are universal, like just being, just being polite and trying to think of, think of the, the impact coming across the keyboard. Yes, I would like to think that for sure. <laughs> okay, so what can you share? There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that haven't written a book yet because of one obstacle or another. Maybe it's mindset or maybe it's um, time limitation. So what can you share with us about what you've learned through all publishing all these books that might help people? What advice do you have? I think uh, definitely persistence and also knowing when a project is, project is right. Sometimes, sometimes there's... If, if the project is really right and, and the inspiration is there, you'll know it. And, and if you keep persisting, 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 there is, there, there is a, a forum for it, a platform for it. There's someone who wants to hear, hear your message. On the other hand, if it's, a, if it's something that you're really struggling with and if, you're in, if it seems like a great idea at the time, but you just can't get it off the ground, you know, maybe it's time to put it aside and, and look at something else, something else that's, that's passionate, that you're passionate about, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, okay, you've, you've got the book, you've got the idea. One of, one of the people, that, I go to the Santa Barbara Writers Conference, and one of the people that, uh, that is, was a student there and now is a teacher there, his name is R. Gregorian, he writes new adult romance novels. Uh, I mean, true story. So he decided to, his wife told him, you know, you've been talking about writing a book for years, why don't you do it? And they made a deal that after the kids went to bed, you know, he'd have his writing time. And he's published at least one novel. And I believe there's a, I believe there, uh, there's another one out there and I'm sure there will be more. But, and now he teaches at the Santa Barbara Writers Conference every year. So, I mean, you just have to have that determination and that drive whether whether you write full time like Stephen King did does, or whether whether you only have thirty minutes after the kids go to bed or 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 in your in your day. And sometimes the other the other good uh, advantage of working with an editor or a collaborator or whatever is that is that you're not carrying it alone. Of course, you know there's negotiation. There's a lot of negotiation when you when you write a book with someone a lot, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, but it's negotiation that we're that we're used to in life. We all we all negotiate for things. We all uh, just try to and remember the mantra of your book. I can of your kid's book. I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we think we can't handle it, but we oh, can. So true. It's so true. I hear that from a lot of adults. I need to write. They say, "When are you writing the adult version?" Right? Because especially I find parents of young kids that are so irrational. <laughs> you go through the day thinking, "I can't handle it," but you're right. With determination and persistence, we can handle anything. Exactly. Exactly. And we're stronger than we think we are. I agree with you. So I have a question because I feel like a lot of people um, feel really vulnerable about putting their name on work, especially when they're just starting out and putting out a book and, you know, it's like their book baby. And so if somebody maybe was feeling like that wasn't how they wanted to start, but they wanted to go into ghostwriting so they could still write and still maybe make um, money from writing. Do you have any suggestions for how people could get into ghostwriting? Well, I think, I think uh, one, of the, one of the best ways is if, if you tell people you're a writer, uh, chances chances are they will they will ask you. They will say, "Oh, I have this great idea. I have this great idea for a book, but I can't but I can't write. You can. Why don't Why don't you 
try to try to do while you do it. The other thing is, but the pitfall with that is you just have to make sure that it's an idea that you really want to spend uh, maybe six to 12 months, uh, three, whatever, whatever the time frame is on and make sure that you're comfortable with the person. And also make sure, don't buy into the, oh, I don't have any money to pay you right now, but uh, when, when the book becomes a bestseller, we'll split it at 50-50. No, 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 that's not, that's not the way. We all have bills and things like that. So, so definitely try to look up ghostwriting rates, figure out what, uh, what makes sense for you. There's all kinds of ways, whether it's hourly or per project, just, just try to uh, keep track of what you're putting into the project. And I'm terrible about that because I, because I get passionate about something and, and sometimes put way too much effort into what I'm doing, but you just have to, I mean, that pays dividends too, but, but you just have to make sure that you really understand what you're getting into, uh, what the person, who the person is, what the project is, and also just understand what your goals as a, as a writer are. And, and don't forget to make time to write your own books too, because if, if you can, because it's scary to put your name out there. You know it, because it's just, you're putting something out there and, and you own it. It's out there on Amazon. It's out there on Barnes and Noble, Smashwords, things like that. And, and you're, it, it's a very vulnerable thing and people, people judge you. Uh, but the good news is if you, if you get talked about, then you're actually doing something. So uh, yes, it's kind of one of the people that I interviewed in Ain't You Got No Manners, Holly Briggs Paul, who wrote, who wrote a book about uh, sweetening a pill about, uh, questioning, questioning uh, birth control. She, uh, and the, she said that, you know, if you were, if you weren't doing anything important, nobody would be talking about it. So uh, that, that vulnerability is, is very daunting for a lot of writers, but then there's the joy of seeing your name in print and things like that. Yeah. And, and the joy of putting something out there, but it's also trying to make sure that, of course, the problem that many writers have is how do you get it out there? You've, you've had the courage to put, to put it out there. How do you get it out there? How do you get people to read it? And promotion and marketing is an entirely different discussion. Uh, I, I, sometimes some writers are afraid to go on podcasts like this, for example, which I don't understand. You're terrific. But <laughs> I think it's that fear of performance. What's the, what's the saying that the fear of public speaking is one of the most common fears? I think second to death. Second to dying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was Jerry Seinfeld or, or, or Paul Reiser who said that, you know, most people would rather be the person in the coffin than the person giving the eulogy. That's how prevalent. More than dying. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But I, again, I think it's that feeling of being judged and, and being criticized. And I think that that's a really, really common, common fear that you, again, that you address in your books. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's terrific advice. Thank you. All of that was great advice from starting off ghostwriting, but not letting go of your own book and just getting it out there. So I'm going to share your book and where people can buy it if they're interested in improving their online manners. But if somebody wants to get in touch with you, is, is there one better way or best way that you can share with us? Uh, usually email is great. Uh, Chris, my professional email is Kristen at kristenjohnson.net and they can also look up at kristenjohnson.net which is my which is my website for my book okay you can look me up on amazon and all kinds of different platforms and 
it's just it's just a delight to talk to you and I see your books in the background and <laughs> and it was and I love the book and, and in closing I loved the description you had the interview you had about about I'm just I'm not just a scribble you know the the, yeah. the, the children's book I'm not just a scribble that was a really moving interview to me oh I'm glad you liked it thank you for saying that yeah her books are so good they're you know surface level about art and then when you go deeper, it's, it's so much more than that. So it's, it's definitely multi-layered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. And it really, and all of her books are like that. So the kids really enjoy them. And then there's this lesson underneath that they might not even realize they're learning, which is fun, right? Because they don't know they're learning, but they are for sure. Yeah. Well, she's it's hard cool. when you're trying to teach somebody something. I, I mean, we, we know that when we're reading something for informational, what is it, information, but to make it interesting, to make it uh, accessible, to make it relatable, whether it's about uh, blood pressure, or whether it's about uh, self-help, or whether it's about ancient archaeology, there's got to be a way to explain explain these things and to uh, to connect with your audience. Yes, you got to find that relatable that relatable part that people will connect with and enjoy while they learn, <laughs> right? Right, right, exactly. And it's the the thing is not to let the fear of what other people think hamper uh, uh, you, because I think the inner critic is the most is sometimes the biggest barrier because we just keep getting these internal voices like I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. So it and it's and and that's useful because sometimes you'll write something you think it's the greatest thing ever, and you go to a workshop or a critique group or get some professional feedback, and it's like it's like oh. You know, there's there's some big problems here, and maybe I, maybe there's potential here, but my own blinders are getting in the way. I I certainly had that happen because we fall in love with the project, and it's just kind of like you need another, you need another view, the top level view. Yes, it's so important, right? That's why everybody is so insistent on editing and getting feedback, and yeah, I agree. Exactly, and it's part of that. Um, you know, writing is a lonely profession, and you kind of. When you're working with your your illustrator is fabulous, you know. When you're working with your illustrator, that's uh, that's a a great uh, synergistic collaboration, I would imagine. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, it's cool because um, illustrators I find are are so creative. Well, so many writers are just very creative people, you know, at their core, and the illustrators are too. And so my illustrator, it, it's been funny because we've done eight books in the series together, and she says, "Can we do something different?" <laughs> She just wants the chance to, to do something different and to flex those creative muscles. So we are working on something a little bit different, but in the same same vein. So that's it's fun though to get that from her because then that inspires me to think a little bit differently and start start making some changes as well. So it is a really cool relationship for sure. Exactly. That's when that's when you know it works because because you're you're stretching each other to grow and uh, and that's and that is really really wonderful. So yeah, it is. It's great when you can find that. It is. It's true. I'm sure not everybody's had the same experience, but I've been very lucky. Well, thank you, Kristen. It's been so nice to chat with you and get to know you. And I will be sure to share all your links. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And you and and we talk about you got no manners. You've got beautiful manners, and uh, I highly encourage any writer to come on to your podcast because you ask great questions. And thank you. You you've done this, so you you understand what they're going through. Yes, <laughs> I do. The ups and the downs. And so do you. You've been there too. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Bye, Kristen. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Writer's Way podcast. For show notes, links to guests' information, and to learn more about the Writer's Way, check out lauriwriter.com. Until next week, enjoy this chapter of your life.